What's up, everybody? Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coulter Duanez, appreciate you for tuning in on uh, this lead-up to the last weekend of September. This is our analysis podcast for the week. We got our three main guys. We'll start off with Andrew Houghton. We'll go all the way around the Big Sky Conference, give you thoughts on each of the games that happened this last week, plus preview all the games that are going to happen this upcoming week. Then we'll hear from Ty Gregorak, our lead analyst here at Skyline Sports. He will break down Montana State's 40 to nothing win over Weber State. Also give us thoughts on the shocking and in a lot of ways disappointing result for Montana. 28-14 they lose at Northern Arizona. How the Grizzlies right the ship. And we'll also talk a little Sac State, Idaho. And then Brooks Duanas will join us with plenty to say. And I mean plenty about the Montana Grizzlies and uh, all the things that ail the once proud program that's trying to get back on track. Can they do it? They certainly got a get right game this week with Idaho State coming to town for homecoming. But the more you seem to analyze it, the more you seem to break it down, the more it seems like Montana is certainly swimming upstream, to say the very least. Big Sky Breakdown, presented in part by Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications has all sorts of great services for you and your small business. Find out how Blackfoot Communications can help you. Visit goblackfoot.com. Blackfoot also releasing a, a new product, a product specifically for small business owners and their wireless networks. That's coming in October, so stay tuned for that. Big Sky Breakdown also presented by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity, and Town Pump. Town Pump's been keeping us fueled up all season long. Bro, the Wild by the Mile is back. We got giveaways for you every Wednesday on Nuana's Now, giving you $50 gift cards to Town Pump. And the Town Pump will keep us fueled up uh, all season long. No matter where you're at in Montana, there's a Town Pump near you. Get it kicked off with Andrew Houghton around the big sky here on the Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. First, let's just talk uh, some general notes from the first weekend of Big Sky Conference play. Here's your Big Sky Conference scoreboard for the week. Portland State all over Cal Poly, 59-21. Vikings scored 52 in the first half and then took the foot off the gas a little bit, but that's uh, 150 points in two weeks for Portland State. Pretty impressive. Regardless of the opponent, I know the opponents were not great, uh, but still uh, a scoring flurry for sure for Portland State. Idaho defeats Sacramento State 36-27. That game was more like 30-27, to and then Sac State fumbled the kickoff after Idaho kicked what was the game-winning field goal, and then uh, Idaho returned that Sac State fumble for a touchdown. So that's where you get the nine-point uh, win, even though it was more like a three-point win. Northern Arizona, one of the more shocking results of the uh, weekend. They get their first win, 28-14, over Montana in Flagstaff. Idaho State gets their first win of the season, 35-21, over Northern Colorado. And Montana State, they go to Weber State, and they drill the Wildcats 40-0. to That's the first shutout at a Big Sky Conference game by Montana State since 2006 when they beat Portland State 14 to nothing. And then in another one of the uh, surprises of the week and probably one of the bigger upsets of the week in the Big Sky, Eastern Washington continues their impressive uh, run. They win at UC Davis 27-24. to uh, Andrew, uh, what is the most – surprising or shocking result there. I think there's several that are candidates uh, in the first week of Big Sky play. Several that I wouldn't have called the way that they ended up, but uh, Northern Arizona beating Montana, of course, really, really, really was not expecting that to happen. And I know that there are plenty of criticisms you can levy towards the Grizz from the first three weeks of the season. They never really looked overwhelming, except maybe for, for a couple 
quarters in the first half at Utah Tech. Right. Other than that, they never really looked overwhelming against a succession of teams that they were expected to beat. Northern Arizona never looked competent in their first three games. They were 0-3. I thought that they were clearly one of the three worst teams in the league going into that, even if the Grizz are not on the level of the Grizz teams from the last couple of years. They need to beat that Northern Arizona team. They didn't. But we also learned a ton about a, a lot of the other teams in the league. I think Eastern Washington, big one here, going to Davis and getting it done. I think that's a really big one, and I think that forces us to reevaluate our view of Eastern Washington. I think Montana State going to Ogden and putting 40 points on Weber State and winning 40 to nothing is a big one. It's like almost impossible to win 40 to nothing this day and age because if you're up 40, you're going to put in your backups and your third you're string. You're going to win 40 to 14. Right. Right. The other team's going to keep their first string guys in. You're putting in your freshmen and your sophomores. You're going to give up 10 yeah. or whatever. You know, I mean, we saw this even during the non conference. There's a lot of games where, the, you know, the, like Idaho, for example, I think it was up 42 nothing against Lamar and they win 42 17. It's just so hard to actually get the shutout. The fact that the Cats were able to do it and the fact that the Cats missed two field goals and had a mixed extra point and a blocked extra point. They left nine points on the ball. This could have been 49 nothing. That's crazy in a conference game, especially when the other side is... is Was a top-10 team a top going 10 into team. it. Right. Yeah. So maybe that causes you to reevaluate Weber State a little bit. I think that's probably harsh towards the Wildcats, and they're still in wait-and-see mode. I think it's it has to cause you to reevaluate Montana State uh, now that they're coming off uh, not only nearly winning at SDSU, but doing that against a very good Big Sky team. I thought that the vibe around MSU being there on media day and watching a couple practices early in fall camp was that this team was supremely confident. Then you wondered how much that confidence would carry over because sometimes you see a team put so much into these these primetime matchups, then you lose it, then you're like heartbroken. But Montana State looked completely refocused and completely just ferocious. I mean, they if they're going to run the ball like that and they're going to play defense like that, yep. they're going to be impossible to beat unless they're playing at the Fargo Dome or Dana Dykow Stadium or Toyota Field in Frisco. Other than that, like they're not going to get beat at home if they play like that. If, they, if their defensive line plays like that, their secondary plays like that, and their run game is putting up 375 on everybody and they're winning the turnover battle, they're not losing to anybody except for maybe the two or three best teams in the United States. And Tommy Malat was out, and we've seen it right. time and time again with this Montana State and team. And Simeon Woodard, their best corner, was out. And, I mean, Zach yeah. Black, their third best defensive tackle, was out. I mean, on down the line. Their and best it, receivers aren't even in the lineup. They haven't had any of their best receivers so far this year. And like you said, it's so difficult against a team like Weber. Like, you're telling me Abraham Williams isn't going to hit a kick return across to the 40, and they're going to get a field goal out of it? Or Hayes Hadley isn't going to get a punt return? They're not going to scheme anything up on special teams? Damon Bankston's not going to get free for a 40-yard run that at least puts them into field goal range? It's really impressive. It's really impressive for sure. And uh, the Cats certainly... Um the team to beat right now in the Big Sky Conference. I think we thought that coming in, but I thought that was an exclamation point uh, in Ogden. You're right, though. The most shocking result of the weekend was Montana losing at, at Northern Arizona. Everybody always spouts the cliche. You know, it's hard to play up there at altitude. The walk-up Sky Dome's a weird place. It's got weird sight lines. It's a weird trip. Yada, 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 yada. It just doesn't hasn't really mattered, particularly for Montana. I mean, when, when Bobby Houck's been the head coach, they never lost to NAU until they did on Saturday. The fact that that the Grizz straight up could not protect the quarterback and 
if you're if you if you're on Twitter or you followed a lot of the stuff in the media, it's not only that they straight up couldn't protect the quarterback, it's that they straight up stopped trying to protect the quarterback down the stretch. I mean, there was the last two sacks of that game, especially the one the video's making rounds on Twitter right yep. now of the guys just letting off the blocks and multiple of the Grizz guys are just walking to the sideline before the play's even over. I mean, that's like it's like next level stuff that I I I have I've never. Here's the thing: is you can have all the praise for all the success Bobby Houck's had in his career at Montana. Yep. You can also have the criticisms of some of the archaic things they're doing, particularly on offense. But you could never ever question if Bobby Houck's teams played hard and played for each other. And when you watch that video, you're like, "What is actually happening?" And that's code red stuff. <laughs> for I mean, that's sure, something man. where if. You know, we can talk about the scheme and we can talk about the positions that they're putting players in either to succeed or not as much as we want. We should talk about that. But if it it comes down to your guys just not playing, not playing hard, not having the effort, nothing else in this season is going to matter. And if you're not playing hard and you're not playing with any effort, you know what's going to happen? Any team in the conference can beat you. Idaho State can come in here and beat you on homecoming. Especially because like the fundamental value and principle of their entire program is that. Yep. Even when they've lost it, even when they've gotten blown off the field almost always, they've competed. And it's set the floor for them. Right, right. Exactly. That's exactly the way to say it. I mean, they haven't had a – they haven't really had an above-average quarterback since Dalton Sneed left. Right. Or at least consistently. Right. They've all, you know, they've always struggled on the offensive line since Bobby Houck has been back. I don't think they've really had a top-tier Big Sky Conference offensive line. There have been holes on this team's roster. The effort and the energy and the uh, intensity has always set the floor for this team. That's one of the biggest reasons they haven't been bad, uh, really, since Bobby Houck came back. So the tail of the tape so far here through four games for Montana offensively is they have had now uh, after getting shut out in the second half against Northern Arizona, they've now had eight scoreless quarters in four games. That's not going to do much for you in, in this day and age of college football. So I guess, I mean, this is sort of a, a, sweeping and broad question and probably one that's way more adequate to ask in a postseason redux podcast rather than, you know, one that's only four games into the year. Because, I mean, make no mistake, Montana looked awful on Saturday. They they looked terrible down the stretch in that game. They had fundamental breakdowns defensively where they were missing tackles. They got a punt blocked. It, it, it was all bad. There's it, it, it really, and Bobby Houck said that in the post game. He said there's really nothing that was redeeming about this game, this effort, uh, and uh, this this result. All that said, Montana still, I don't think this is going to happen, but they still could go win seven more games. I mean, sure. they still could be a nine or ten win team. So I'm not ready to fully just pack it in and send them down the river. I do think how they respond this week against Idaho State is going to be huge, and then how they play on the road at, at UC Davis in two weeks is going to be huge. All the games are going to be huge for the Grizz after they drop their first one. So this is maybe a question for later on in the year, but I just want to touch on it right now. What is the thing that's eluding the Grizz the most? Is it a talent issue? Is it a identity issue? Is it a coaching issue? Or is it a combination of the three? 
Well, certainly I think the easiest thing to say is that it's a combination of the three, but the thing that struck me the most coming out of this week, number one, the effort that we already talked about. Yep. Number two. And that's coaching. That's coaching. And buy it into the coaching at least. And number two, when you combine the effort with the way that they looked on the field and with some of what Bobby Houck said in the postgame press conference, they just were not prepared for this game. Right. And they did not adjust anything within the game to try to mitigate that. And that, for me, also comes back to coaching. I mean, you just... You can't be so unprepared for this game. I know Bobby Houck in his opening statement in the postgame press conference shouted out Chris Ball. He said that's a great coaching job by Chris Ball. They have they got to give him an award because it seemed like he had completely lost this team last week when they got blown out by Utah Tech. That's entirely fair. We all saw the Utah Tech game that Northern yep. Arizona played. They were terrible. Maybe Chris Ball did lose the team in the intervening week. But you you can't even consider the possibility that maybe in their first game of conference against the big name in the conference, playing for a coach who is coaching for his job this season, and right. everybody knows that, right. that maybe they're going to be able to get their stuff together in the middle of the week and come out on fire, and maybe he hadn't lost the team after all because of all of those factors. And not only that, but that they're going to pull out all the stops against you. They're going to show you trick plays. They're going to try to get a play on special teams. You just couldn't you couldn't comprehend any of that. Right. I mean, when, when Bobby Houck sits at the postgame press conference and says, great coaching job by Chris Ball. They out-schemed us. They threw the kitchen sink at us. They did a whole bunch of stuff that we weren't prepared for. How were you not prepared and, for that? And, this is a desperate team. And, and then you go on to say, we didn't need to make any adjustments. We just need to execute better. Now you're contradicting yourself. When, exactly. When you're saying we didn't have a plan whatsoever for we the were freshman not, we quarterback. We were not prepared enough for the game, but also we didn't need to adjust from what we prepared for. Right. And then he says we weren't prepared for the freshman quarterback, but that didn't play a factor. That's delusional. Like, it, it, did the did the did Adam Demonte, the freshman quarterback? Just absolutely shred Montana. No, not really. But he was, he was. I'd say. I mean, good. they had 400 total yards against them. That's right. I mean, Adam Demonte was 23 for 30 for 212 yards, a touchdown, and two picks. If not for the two picks early, Montana squadouche. They get nothing offensively. Yep. That's a that does a shutout by Northern Arizona's defense. But it's it's beyond the quarterback play. Like, did this guy go out and throw four or five touchdowns? No, he did not. But did he galvanize his team who was previously winless? Did they play with more confidence because he was their guy? There's certainly an element to that. And what's so telling about this is every play after Northern Arizona got a big play on defense, they scored. When they blocked the punt, right. they scored the immediate right. next play. Right. I mean, remember, uh, was this the, the Ferris State game or maybe the Butler game? Early in the Ferris State game, right? When the Grizz get that turnover on downs yes. on Ferris's first possession, and then they don't go in and score it, or, or they recover the fumble right, right. down on yep. the ten. That was against Butler. Yes, uh, they had the they had uh, the great script right out the gates, which is the last time their offense looked great to me. The, the third, junior Bergen the touchdown, then the they immediately forced the, the fumble. They have a great hit on kickoff, then they immediately forced the fumble. They got the goal down by the goal, and they don't, couldn't punch it. Don't in. punch it in. 
Exact opposite of what we saw from Northern Arizona because after the blocked punt, after the pick, they're going and scoring right away on the first play. Yeah, the other part is, you know, because I don't want to say you're just pile on one element or the other here, but I, I do think that there's, um, I don't think, I, I know, having, having watched now pretty much every team in the Big Sky multiple times and all the best teams now a handful of times, Montana's just not that talented. Yep. They have a whole bunch of great stories. They got a whole bunch of guys that play above their head, especially when they're at home. But guys that are actually like elite level talents in the league, guys that would play anywhere in the conference. Usually it would you could say that there's 15 to 30 guys on the Grizz that would play anywhere in the conference. Guys that would play anywhere in the conference on the Grizz right now, Alex Gubner, Junior Bergen, Junior Bergen, Trevin Gradney. I don't think so, man. Okay. Trevor Gradney's got four picks in four games. Trevor Gradney would be the fourth corner for the Cats. I'm just being straight up honest. He might be the third corner for the Cats. He's not He's not better than than Simeon Woodard. And, you know, I, I mean, John Johnson's playing really well right now as a, a junior college transfer for the Cats. Gradney might, maybe. But I, I guess what I'm saying is it's not like a definitive thing. Like when sure. you're talking like NCAA football, the video game ratings. Sure. Right? The Grizz have an absurd number of guys that are like 79 to 84. So many of those guys. Alex Gubner's the only 95 they got on defense. Yeah. And Junior Berg is the only 95 they got on offense. I don't know how many other guys they could fill in that are 90s. Yeah. You know? I mean, when Braxton Hill's playing at his absolute best, he's like an 89. When Nash Fouch is playing at his absolute best, he's like an 88, 89. Those are good. Yeah. But the Cats got like 15 guys that are 90s. The Cats' sixth running back is probably at 85. That's the that's the whole crux of this situation, you know? So, I don't know. I mean, they can't change it now. This is definitely a conversation for a different time. But that's the whole point, right? Right. You can't change the talent. Right. That's right. So, what can you do to mitigate it? Well, and also, what can you do to accentuate it? What can you do to put your 84 overall players in their best position to succeed? Right, right. And, and we've been sitting here talking about Aaron Fonts as the dude during well, practices, like when I go to practice, the guy who stands out the most to me when they're going ones versus ones yeah. is Aaron Fonts. And then he does, he he gets like so few opportunities in, in the scope of the game. Aaron Fonts might be a 90 if they used he him, but I have. catches for 33 yards against Northern Arizona. I mean, Aaron Fonts right now, this season, has nine catches for 113 yards. Nine catches in four games. That should be like a game for him. That should be like the best game of the season for him. He should be getting that in in a game. Exactly. He. You should throw this. There's no point in having this guy unless you throw him the ball at the bare minimum five to six times, but more like eight or nine or ten times in a game, right? It's just, it's really, really, really weird to me. And I get it. I think that there's a whole bunch of stuff going on here. I don't, I don't think you can blame it all on just the play calling. I don't think you can blame it all on just the subpar quarterback play. I think their biggest issue throwing the ball is that they can't protect the passer. Right. And I don't know why that that is an issue. That's the part where they just, that's the part where they need to figure out internally what they're doing. Because if you are going to sit here and tell everybody that's listening all offseason long and all throughout the Big Sky kickoff that, I mean, Bobby, how clapped back at you when you said, is it fair to say that the offensive line is one of the strengths of your team? He said, I would say it's the strength of our team. If that offensive line that we saw in Flagstaff on Saturday is the strength of your team, you are screwed. I mean, they gave up eight sacks and averaged less than a yard a carry. 
against a team that had two sacks all season coming into the game. I agree yeah. with you 100%, but here's what I am saying, right? You cannot fix that at this point in the season. Right. So why are we dropping Sam Vidlak back 30, 37 times a game against Northern Arizona? I know part of that right. was the game state. Sure. You're behind for most of that game. And why did you let Clifton McDowell basically be the key factor to the win against Butler and then start against Utah Tech? They only scored – He what, what did they score against Utah Tech, 40? They scored 43, and they scored 36 of them with Clifton in McDowell the first half. In the first half. Sam Vidlak scored one touchdown in the second half. That's right. To me, it's just so obvious. You have an offensive line that cannot pass protect. Yes. The only times this year that your offense has like consistently looked really good, and under Vidlak, they've had moments. The only time they put it together for more than a drive or two was the second half against Butler and the first half against Utah Tech when Clifton McDowell was in the game. I get that you have the plan this year for Sam Vidlak to be the guy. You want to utilize the playmakers on the outside you want to throw it around at some point, you just have to look at the reality and say, the only time that we have been effective this year is when we're doing the straight quarterback plus one run game with Clifton McDowell. That's not a that's not me dumping on Sam Vidlack. I think he's got a lot of tools. I think he's got a good arm. He's got a great arm. I think he's really good in the pocket, but it just sort of is what it is. I mean, this is Sam Vidlack's first time playing college football, essentially. Didn't see any action at Oregon State. Didn't see any action at Boise State or saw very little. He's still young. Maybe he does develop into the quarterback of the future. But that cannot affect your thinking right now in 2023. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. It's wild right now. Inflation is it's persistent, too. It's not like it was just... You know, last 2021, you kept hearing the term transitory inflation. Yeah. And it wasn't even like this in today, like this, this in the last six months. It wasn't even close. It was like four to five percent, eight, nine percent inflation. It's pretty wild. And the last reading was interesting too, because gas prices had actually come down. So that wasn't, that wasn't so much of it. But mostly right now, what it is, and actually auto car costs have come down too. So that's one, usually the biggest source of inflation is fuel prices. And, the cost of cars and both of the, both of those last month actually retreated and our number was still really high and so right now it's just simply the cost of food and some yeah. you know other goods but so to cult to your point Coulter, if you that's the importance of maintaining the habits for the money to go strategically strategically to places that are going to behoove you first because it just limits how much money you have to spend on stuff and right. in today's world it is so easy you know financial technology is awesome but it also makes it really easy to, to take out the card spend you know oh, yeah. whatever 20 bucks on this that or the other thing which are all good things buying your coffee in the morning none of those are bad things but the more that uh, it's in today's world with inflation the way it is and the headwinds that we see in the economy uh cash is going to be king and so the more that we can just protect our pocketbook right now the better our clients are going to be positioned moving into 2023 which is you know you're starting to see again i was actually laughing with the client earlier this morning you know you listen to 10 different economists and 10 different or five will say that the we're at the bottom of the market five will say we're we're 10 or 15 you know percentage points from the bottom of the market or more so who knows nobody has a crystal ball but there certainly is headwinds coming down the pike 
So in, in different parts of the country, the real estate market is, has fallen by 20 to 30%. Uh, we're in a little bit of a, a bubble here. In, or I shouldn't say bubble. We're, ins- we're always insulated slightly in Montana or at least 12 to 18 months behind the curve on those sorts of, uh, those sorts of movements. So we'll feel it. I still see a ton of building going on. I still see a ton of contractors extremely busy. People are still busy spending money here in Montana. But in general, as we move into 2023, cash is going to be king. So the more and more our clients and our people can protect their pocketbook and just be diligent about where money's going first in terms of savings and earnings and, uh, you know, if it's real estate or if it's savings account or if it's investment accounts, if those places get the attention first, then it just limits where dollars can go elsewhere. Big Sky Breakdown presented by Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. Big Sky Players of the Week this week, Sean Chambers for Montana State. He threw for 172 yards, rushed for another 114, four total touchdowns, threw two touchdowns to Trayton Pickering, the senior tight end out of Sunburst, Montana, and also ran for two scores on the ground. thought Chambers looked great in that game. Uh, the um, Defensive Player of the Week, Loy Quitti. That's how they were saying it on the TV. I'm still okay. not. I'm still not unsure if it's. I know Aloy we were talking about Quait it. In the, or Quaiti, yeah, or, preseason. Aloy Quaiti is how they were saying it on TV. He's a big defensive end for for Northern Arizona, and uh, he had four sacks, including three Jeez. in the four, three in the fourth quarter, and he also forced a fumble that led to an NAU touchdown, and uh, was part of a Lumberjacks defense that held Montana to 18 yards rushing total. And the special teams player of the week is a guy we'll hear from. This week on the Big Sky Breakdown as well, it's Ricardo Chavez, the kicker from uh, University of Idaho. He'll join us on our Vandals Weekly. Andrew will have that interview for you. Chavez was 3-3 three three on field goals, hit 29, 30, and 50-yarders, and the 50-yarder the was the dagger. The one was The 30-yarder was the game winner. Excuse me. I was going to say that uh, a 50-yard walk-off would be crazy. Yeah, I should have put that one on SportsCenter if that um, happened. But uh, what did you think of Chavez uh, kicking field goals? He's awesome, man. He's really good. I know it's a good environment to kick there in the Kibbe Dome. Sure. Um, but he was really good for him last season, too, and you don't want sort of the memory of the missed kick at the end of regulation against Southeast Louisiana in the playoffs last year to be the memory of him because he, he slipped attempting that kick and, and just barely missed it. And also, he was really good for them last year as well. Um Straight down the middle on the game-winning kick. His first opportunity, I think his first make of a game-winner. He punts too, right? He punts left-footed and he kicks right-footed. That's real. That's true. <laughs> Man. And that's my why you play text- soccer when you're growing up, my kids. Bro- my, right? No kidding, right? My brother texted me that, and my first thought was, that guy must have a crazy dad because he taught yeah, him how right. to kick with both feet. But then it's like, oh, no, he just played soccer. He, he, he just no, you it. still had a crazy soccer dad, <laughs> yeah, though. You know, right. you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. To make him do it with his, with his left foot. He was really good punting the ball. The 50-yarder came right after. Did you see this clip? Essentially, the clip of the Sac State player slide tackling him yes. on one of his punts. Right. Really, really kind of gruesome clip. Yeah, it really Kind of dives in. I mean, in a, in a soccer game, you'd get carded for that. For sure. But justified in being the big side player of the week. And and that was right before the 50-yarder. So essentially he didn't have any warm-up time before the 50-yarder. He's getting treated for that on the sideline. Eck was saying in the post-game press conference, we thought we were going to have to go for that fourth down because we didn't trust our backup kicker to hit from 50. Chavez says he's okay, basically comes onto the field cold and hits the 50-yarder. I'd say the number one surprise in the league this week was NAU drill in Montana. 
I thought Idaho and Sac State was as advertised, right? Absolutely. Right? That, Two a, really good teams. I, I don't think either one of those teams has much to hang there. I mean, if I'm Sac State, all, all I'm saying is, hey, guys, we, we took one of the best, five best teams in the country down the wire. At their place. At their place. Let, let's get back on the horse. All of our goals are still in front of us. Let's roll. And uh, if you're Idaho, you're saying, hey, let's just keep going. Let's keep going. Um, Idaho State beat Northern Colorado. I was, I'm not going to lie, a little bit surprised. Uh, only because I just think that I, I thought coming into this year that Idaho State had the biggest talent deficiency of anybody in the big sky, but that actually has proven to be not true. Not they, true. They looked uh, competitive against San Diego State, and then they w- w- beat Northern Colorado. So Idaho State, I don't know how much you can play into it, but, I mean, a little bit of momentum coming to Missoula. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I talked about their need to just have an identity under Cody Hawkins, and, and they have. I mean, they're throwing the ball a ton. That's the way they want to play. We'll see how that continues, you know, when they're playing outside in November, when they have to go on the road later in the season. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of, the identity fuels the talent evaluation, right? Because if you're just throwing it around a ton, you're going to have wide receivers that emerge. You're going to have wide receivers who, who just turn out to be talented. That's and right. those are the guys you can point to for Idaho State and say, well, actually, they do have some guys. Eastern Washington beat UC Davis was a, a little bit of a surprise. I actually thought UC Davis was pretty mysterious coming out of the non-conference because they I mean, they destroyed this not very good Texas A&M Commerce team. Uh, then they, you know, they get they get rolled in an FBS game. They get rolled by Oregon State, but Oregon State at the time was a top 20, 20 yep. FB, FBS team. And then they squeak one out against Southern Utah, which on the surface maybe looks like a a cause for concern because Southern Utah hasn't been very good lately. But I, I cannot profess to know anything about Southern Utah at this exact moment. But I also don't think that, East, that UC Davis losing to Eastern is that bad of a loss because I actually think Eastern Washington might be a little bit better than what we thought they were going to be. Uh, Kakoa Vesperas, the quarterback, has been has been good. He's been pretty good. So um, Eastern's got wins over two ranked teams in a row. So maybe they are sort of the surprise team in the league. I don't know. If, if Eastern Washington climbed up and, and replaced UC Davis and Montana and maybe even Weber as playoff contenders, I don't know. It wouldn't be that crazy, right? I mean, they, they were the best program in the league for 10 years before they fell off these last two. No, absolutely not. It wouldn't be surprising. Uh, I guess even just this last one because they, the I mean, they were in their play. They were in the playoffs in uh, Montana. I mean, they uh, beat Montana, Montana yeah, two years right, ago. Right, totally. Uh, yeah, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be surprising at all. They have ridden the roller coaster a little bit under under Aaron Best there, where they've been a little bit up and down these last couple of years. Uh, but still, you know, a program I think with a lot of talent there. And just going off results, I mean, what they've shown is they can win these close games against the ranked teams. I think they're right there. They're in the top 20 this week. you got to rank them, of course, ahead of UC Davis this week after they beat them. I think both of those teams are, are, are good teams, right, and, and teams that should be competing for a playoff spot. This week's slate of games, Weber State is at Northern Colorado. Idaho is at Eastern Washington. That's a juicy one. Yeah, fun one. Idaho State at Montana for homecoming. Portland State at Montana State for homecoming. UC Davis, Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. And then NAU at Sac State. So Not as fun a week. Not as fun of a week. I mean, I think that you'd probably say that it's just 
chalk across the board in terms of like the teams that we perceived to be good before the season yep. winning, no matter if they're home or the road. I mean, we were over in Northern Colorado, Montana over Idaho State, Montana State over Portland State, UC Davis over Cal Poly, Sac State over Northern Arizona. But given the results of last week, I actually think there's a little bit of intrigue behind a couple of those games. One, what if NAU just suddenly believes because they, they got a win last week? I don't know. That's it, it, There's maybe a, a little bit more intrigue, but Sack's going to want to get right in a big way after starting out 0-1, so uh, maybe you actually pity NAU for having to go in there. We'll see. If it really is a code red situation at Mont... I mean, this is this is a, a must, absolutely must win for you're Montana. You are playing for your playoff lives if you're Montana right. at this point. That's if right. you take another loss... Your backs are against the wall because you have a non D one win That's right. in the non conference. You, you only have two D one wins. You still gotta go to Davis. You still gotta go to Bosco. You still, you still have gotta, to play the cats at home. Absolutely. Where where are you getting to seven wins the rest of the season? That's right. So you need seven D one wins, right? To really be taken seriously That's right. in consideration for the playoff committee. That's you know, they've got two, they've got Idaho State, they've gotta beat UC Davis, Northern Colorado, Sac State, Portland State, they're they absolutely cannot lose this game, and their their backs are against the wall starting from now. Okay, last thing for you then. Uh, the the best game in terms of like good teams is Idaho versus Eastern Washington. Yeah. And Idaho has been, before Idaho was good, when they were just back in the big sky and they were taking their lumps from pretty much everybody, they were getting destroyed by... 70 points. They were getting destroyed by their old rival in Montana. Yep. They were losing frequently to Montana State, even though some of those games were really competitive. And... The one thing they were doing, though, was smashing Eastern Washington. And now, though... Uh, Didn't I, Barry Ape put up, like, seven touchdowns on them two years ago, though? That, that's right. I mean, they, they've kind of gone back and forth. Like, Idaho, the couple of their first, like, premier wins in the league was beating Eastern yes. in these rivalry games. But then Barry Ape got back at them and just completely destroyed them in his last time going up against the Vandals. I don't know. It's a huge game, man. I mean, I I don't think we had this one pinned as a huge game coming into the year because I, no. I think we thought Eastern's schedule was going to be so tough that they were going to start, you know, two and three at best, if not, you know, one and four or oh and five. But Eastern could get some serious momentum if they were to knock off the Vandals. But the Vandals could keep some serious momentum. They can go to the red and, and win in Cheney. Yeah, it's an awesome game. I kind of wish I was going over there for that one because here's the thing. Both of these fan bases care about this game, too. That's right. And we talk about Idaho coming back into the Big Sky Conference, and you're talking about their rivals. Well, what have they done? First, they got the Idaho State rivalry sort of wrenched back onto their turf. I know Idaho State beat them at Holt the first year. They're rolling in that rivalry now. Can you get the Eastern Washington rivalry back under control? Can you can you take back control of that one? And then you start looking at the Montana and Montana State rivalries, although maybe maybe Montana's next up on that list. So there are going to be a bunch of people who care about this game, and both of these teams are really playing for something. I mean, I think Eastern, if they go and and beat Idaho, they're going to be in the top 10 next week. Totally. They're going to put themselves into contention for, for a seed, depending on what happens the rest of the season. And Idaho, they're fourth right now. They're just going to continually have to prove it. They're not going to break into that top three. They're going to continually have to prove that they deserve to be mentioned in on the same level as those top three. They're not there yet for me. I don't think they're there yet for anybody in the country. All you can do is, is keep trying to prove it. I know won 48-16 last year in Moscow. And that was a that was a really big game. Two years ago, 
Eric Berrier went 26 for 35 for 600 yards on the dot, seven touchdowns. Oh, my God. And, <laughs> and, and Eastern won 71 to 21. Eastern Washington had, are you ready for this, 37 first downs and 847 yards of total offense. Wow. You think there was some bad blood there? That's, what, that's more than the Dolphins had this week. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the thing. I think if this is a competitive game, it's going to be a shootout. And I think if it's not a competitive game, one way or the other, we're still going to see somebody score 50 points. We should have written more about that game because this box score is ridiculous. Eastern Washington only ran 79 plays for 837 yards. That's 11.6 yards per play. That's, I don't, <laughs> Kenny Main voice. That has to be some sort of a record. Crazy. Anyways, uh, there's certainly bad blood between these teams. I, I think that... Um, obviously, the battle for the Little Brown Stein is one of the oldest rivalries in college football. The the old school rivalry nature between Montana State and Idaho is a big one. Of course, the in-state Idaho-Idaho State is always going to have some pizzazz behind it. But I think if you were to really, truly put the feet to the fire and make these two teams answer, I'll tell you this. I know Aaron Best wants to beat Idaho as bad as anybody in the entire conference. Yep. And I think that Jason Eck is very good at installing that sort of stuff in his players as well. So this is going to be a fun game. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Anything else to add before we get you out of here? I think we're good on this week. I mean, that Montana game will continue to drive conversation. I mean, we'll still be talking about that one in a month, depending on what the Grizz do. But uh, good talking with you. Yeah, Andrew will have a, a feature story about uh, just being in Moscow and experiencing sort of the Idaho atmosphere with a top 10 matchup in town for the first time in a long time. Uh, I didn't ask him too much about the details of his trip yet because I just kind of want him to lay that all out there for you uh, in writing. So uh, stay tuned for that. It should be a fun story to read. And uh, we appreciate all of our new Vandals listeners, and we appreciate all the various listeners to the Big Sky Breakdown from all the way around uh, the Big Sky Conference. More on the Big Sky Breakdown right after this. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coulter Nuanez coming to you, and we're joined now by our lead analyst here at Skyline Sports, as well as the color commentator for all the MTN broadcasts across the Scripps Network for Big Sky Conference football games now that we're into league play. Ty Gregorak here uh, on the Big Sky Breakdown. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Uh, we appreciate it, man. It was great hearing the dulcet tones ringing through the side of the press box. Sunburst Montana. I heard it a couple times from down the way, so I appreciate you being here, man. How'd the first call go? Oh, it was good. I mean, it, you know, there was some first game stuff we got to get cleaned up. I mean, you were there. It was it was bizarre. I mean, we were told to go to break, but then the official 
you know, uh, you know, kind of, you know, ran the clock and said, you know, let's go. And we're like, wait, I, I thought we were at break. It, it was just, you know, some first game stuff, but it, it was good to be back. I mean, you know, I think Ben does a great job as a play-by-play guy and, and obviously the production quality, the picture is great. I think, you know, just some, some first game stuff that we hammered through yesterday on a call and I think it'll just get better, you know, this week. But it was great to be back, man. And, and, and what a beautiful night in Weber. And wow, what a – I don't know if anyone I, – I, I think people think Montana State's good, you know, but that, that, was, that was a dominating win. And I think they put a lot of people – I mean, not just going to Brookings and woulda, coulda, shoulda, and, you know, probably should have won the game. And I'll always be the first one to say, like, you know, never let all play dictate a game. But they probably should have won that game. And, you know, they're good. They're really good. And now, now it's just a matter of – I mean, they're, they're doing this without all their ponies, man. I mean, they're, they're not – I wouldn't call a healthy team. They've got multiple starters that aren't playing, and, and they're still, you know, dominating everybody minus, minus the one in Brookings, which, I, I, you know, I still feel like probably could have been – probably could have, should have been a win, man. So, it, it, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a great night. Great to be back in the booth. A lot of fun. It is interesting that they are missing, you know, multiple great players. I mean, they they all their best receivers are out. Lanyata Alexander's not coming back. He's ineligible for this year. Ty McCullough is supposed to be their big speed guy. Uh, he practiced in this week, so maybe he'll be back sooner than later. Taco Dollar is not going to be back for probably another month. And those are three guys he expected to be three of your four best receivers, along with Cleveland Thomas, Zach Black, who's supposed to be one of their best interior defensive linemen. He's out for the year. Paul Brock came back last week, but he's been out. Simeon Woodard's their best corner. He's been out. So, I mean, I think that's the most impressive part. We talk about depth all the time, Ty. The Cats have reached this point, and you know this better than almost anybody. In the FCS level, if you have a guy that's a, a premier player, when he gets hurt, the chances are that his backup is a pretty significant drop pretty significant drop in talent from, or, or development or both from where that guy's at. It's not like Alabama where the backups are four-star guys too. They just happen to be freshmen and sophomores. Right. The drop gets pretty stark. The most impressive part about what Montana State's got going right now is it doesn't matter if it's Tommy Malott or Isaiah Fonse. you got premier guys that are out, and they don't skip a beat. It's amazing to see the way that they've been able to stack their roster and have depth at literally every position. Well, it is. And, you know, you mentioned Isaiah. Obviously, Isaiah's, you know, Cal Berkeley Bear. But Isaiah didn't play much last year, you know, on way to another semi-appearance. But, yeah, you look at the – I mean, I said it in the open or early in the game. I mean, you could only start one quarterback. And but, – but, but I don't think – I don't think a lot of people over here or that follow the big sky really ever consider Sean Chambers – the backup quarterback because of everything he's done in the last two years, what he continues to do, you know, Tommy, Tommy's gotten hurt last year. What did, what did Sean do? He came in and, and balled. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's a captain. He, he's, he's a captain, you know? And, and so, but yeah, you look at the, the stable of running backs. I mean, they're just, they're just, they don't even have all their running backs. I mean, obviously they lost Isaiah. We can probably stop talking about him because he's, you know, he's long gone, but no Lane Sumner. And you got Julius Davis, having a career night, uh, Jared White, Elijah Elliott, Scott Ray Humphrey, you know, shows signs that he's going to be, a, you know, just a dude when he figures out the offense and where he's going every play and who he's blocking, you know, not when he's always running the football. It's just, 
they they have recruited well, and, and you're right. They've got they've got good backups at, at the spots now. Where I mean, you're so right. FCS, it is, you know, like 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 in the old adage in football, you're only as good as your backup. Well, Montana State's kind of proven that their backups are dang good. Uh, I mean, Tommy Mallott hasn't played in two and a half games. <laughs> they just they just went out and got another what was it, 518 yards of offense against Weber State. So yeah, it's. They're doing a heck of a job. They really are. And I just thought, I don't know if they were holding stuff or, you know, first game in conference or, you know, maybe a little more to, to Sean Chambers' skill set. But, I mean, you saw it. You were there. And I kept, I kept, you know, calling it out. But the 12 personnel, 21 personnel, 13 personnel, shifting in motion, quarterback under center, you know, inside-outside zone is their bread and butter, but the play action and the boot off it, 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 was, it was fun to watch. Really fun to watch. It was really fun to watch. I thought they also did a great job of, of sort of baiting Weber into some stuff. I mean, they, they ran the ball basically directly up the middle with very little creativity on the first six plays of the game, and you're sitting here thinking, well, this is a weird game plan. But going back and watching it, they were doing all sorts of different stuff with their line. I think that was to get Weber's – Linebackers, their eyes looking this way, their eyes looking that way, and then, oh, okay, we we got them, sort of, in our sights, and then boom, you unleash it, and you get Chambers on the edge, you start rolling out, you start, you know, pressing the seam with the tight ends and all that stuff. I thought it was brilliant offensive play calling, and I thought it was, I thought it was fitting that afterwards Chambers talked about how Taylor Housewright is infatuated with the San Francisco 49ers right now. I think that's a, a great thing to have is is taking elements from the highest level and and. Uh, putting it to, to, to use. I mean, you can't always run NFL stuff, of course. NFL stuff has to take NFL guys across the board. But being able to be confident enough to take elements from other things and then add it to what you do, pretty darn impressive. I thought their offensive game plan was awesome. It was. And, you know, what you were saying just a little bit ago, it was exactly right. And I think I mentioned that in the broadcast. You know, it was a scoreless first quarter. It was 0-0. But, you know, you, you, you break down that, that post corner off the play action to, to Trayton Pickering. They set that up in the, in the previous couple few series, just exactly what you're saying. And I, and I, and I, and I drew that one up, and, and I just said, hey, they, they've kind of built to this play the last couple series, and, and they did. And, and, and sure enough, you know, Weber State, who you know, traditionally is very aggressive on defense, they get their eyes in the backfield. I mean, that was a easy throw, easy catch, and, and, a, and, a, and an awesome – not breakout day for, for Trayton Pickering, but he had a heck of a game. And, and you know, two touchdowns, uh, lead, led, led the crew in receiving. I just thought he was awesome. And, and, and we're talking about the offense, man. What a job by the defense. I mean, Coach Garza and, and, and company called a fantastic game, and, and, the, and the guys went out and played really well. I mean, to hold them to a couple hundred yards of offense was, was pretty remarkable at, at their house. And, and, and I guess I was so impressed, too, because, you know, I, I know they were outmatched. I mean, they, 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 University of Utah has got a lot of money. They're a top 10 program. They play great defense, but they scrapped with them for 30 minutes. And then to see what Montana State did at their house in a night game, kind of a primetime, big sky type game, was really impressive. I mean, they, they, the defense held them to 208 yards. They were incredible on third down, incredible on third down. You know, Weber State finished three of 17 on, on third down culture. And a couple of those came against, you know, the, the backups to the backups towards the end. Just, just, a, just a real complete game. 
and I mentioned it. I mean, there's always stuff to clean up, but you know, offense, defense, wow, they, they were, they were lights out and, and nothing short of dominant where, where they weren't real dominant was special teams, you know, a couple, couple missed field goals, missed extra point, a blocked field goal, uh, some stuff to clean up there moving forward. But yeah, it was, that was a big win. I mean, 40 to nothing, 40 to, and I mentioned it multiple times in modern football to get shutouts is hard. I mean, did not, you know, not even to give up a, a field goal. That's really hard to do anymore. And to, to go to go on the road and pitch a forty to nothing ball game, nothing short of dominant. I mean, it really was. And and I just I I don't think you and I could sit here. It's easy to you know you know six in one hand, half a dozen in the other. I don't think anyone thought that the outcome was going to be like that on Saturday night. And 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 I mean, you just sit there and go, wow, Montana State is a very very good outfit right now, and have been. It's just you know, it, it, again, they're doing this without all their dudes. It's impressive. The The fact that it was 40 to nothing is also a testament to their depth. And what I mean by that is when you're up 40 to zero, you put in all the backups. So then the backups have to maintain the shutout. I mean, Rhett Vegan gave the backups credit. He said, hey, the yep. reason, reason we got the shutout is because we got stops down the stretch when we put in all our backups and our third string guys. That part adds to just impressive how, how deep they are uh, as well. I mean, to put in perspective how tough this is, Ty, the last time Montana State shut out a Big Sky opponent, and the Bobcats have had some great defenses over the last 15 years. Last time they pitched a shutout against a Big Sky team, 2006, when they beat Portland State 14 to yep. nothing. So this is a, that was a historic number for sure. Well, going back to the depth, I mean, you know, and Coach Coach Daly and I talk, you know, talk every now and then. I'm always, you know, I'm always going to be interested in the linebacker position. But he's had nothing but great things to say about Makeda Riley and his progress. He led the team in tackles, kind of like you're saying, you know, the, the, those those backups. And he plays a lot. Don't get me wrong. I mean, he he backs up both the Mike and Will position. You know, D- Danny, you went out with that that targeting, which you know, I guess if you want to go letter of the law. But, I mean, there's so many bang-bang plays in football. Uh, you know, it's just, I, I just hate seeing kids lose time. College football is so fragile and just the, the, the sheer amount of, of opportunities you get to play. And so I hate seeing a kid lose playing time. But that being said, McCade comes in and leads the team in tackles. Nolan, Nolan, has double dig- Nolan Askelson has double digits. And, and I got to tell you, I'm impressed with the safety play. I think that when, you know, Rylan Orr, who's a Missoula kid, you know, he, he, he lost a lot of time with that suspension. He's getting better and better and better every time he, he gets reps and plays. Drew Polidor, what a fantastic move that was to, to make that free safety position more athletic. Uh, you know, I, I said he's, he's disrupting plays. You know, I, I, I kind of joked, like, you know, break down and wrap through. Don't, don't give, don't give Seabass those production points. But, I mean, he, he's really given them an extra element to me at the safety position um, it, it's impressive. I mean, it, you know, we're talking about kids that have been in the program and not necessarily primetime guys as of late, but they're getting their turns and they're taking advantage of their turns. It, it's fun to watch. So, I mean, it's just, and then, you know, then now they get to come home uh, for homecoming. I believe it's, it's a homecoming for both teams here in the treasure state. And then they get a bye, you know, so, that bye week, another opportunity to freshen up some some guys that 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 have missed turns slash haven't got any turns yet due to health.
Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com apply. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Big Share Breakdown presented in part by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. What they're doing up front, Ty, I think is so impressive too defensively. I mean, they they run this scheme where there's a lot of like improvisational line games that go down. They, they, they have some called slants and stunts, but they also have a lot where guys are just playing off of each other. I go here, you go there. And I think that, that that showed some flashes of being effective last year, but it also showed some flashes where they were where they lacked some gap soundness and they would get gashed and, and give up some big plays. Now it seems like they're on the same page. That's what happens when you got veteran guys that have played with each other for several years. So, I mean, how much do you think that's just impacting how well they're playing defensively? I, I think you're exactly right. And, I mean, you know, um, defensive coordinators and defensive line coaches, they, they, they can actually just signal in, you know, front games, you know, where, where, where the guys are actually, you know, they've got a, a, a set number, uh, you know, one, two or three different games that they can play. And, and if you look at Montana State's defensive line, individually, there's not a lot of gaudy statistics. There's not, you know, I mean, everybody's going to talk about Sebastian Valdez and Brody Greeley, but you look at their statistics through four games, they're, they're, it's nothing crazy, but they're working well as a unit. And then, yeah, to, to, to add the linebackers off the, the you know, with, with five-man pressure off of twists and stunts, and it's, it is a very cohesive front right now. And I, I think it's, you know, this, this coaching staff defensively has now worked together a couple few years. They, they've been together. The, all these players, I mean, there, there's been some guys that have got to step up and fill in for, you know, through graduation stuff, but, it is impressive, and, and like you said, I mean, I don't think they're doing anything crazy. It's it's not the, the, the you know, it's not some flex serve, you know, three three five, and you know, they, they're just playing good sound defensive football right now. And, and and even going back to the loss in Brookings, overall defensively, I mean, they, they, you know, they came out a little sluggish, and, and, and South Dakota State's a dang good team, came out and, and, and did some good things offensively in that third quarter, but overall. Montana State's playing as good as def- as good a defense as they've played, set, you know, since they since they graduated Troy and and Daniel and, and that group, which was you know in my mind FCS wise almost generational talent. The other thing I'm interested in about the Cats, and then we'll talk about uh, the, the Grizz and the rest of the Big Sky, is that they have these prime time, big time matchups on their schedule. They've already gotten through two of them in four games. But now they're going to have to overcome a trap game before they play the next premier game pretty much back and forth, right? they got a couple games now until they head to Moscow, and then they're going to have to go to Sac State, and then they have a couple more games before they come to Missoula. So they're going to have to 
to keep it on track. That part is what I've been so impressed by with Brent Deegan and his staff, though. Everybody talks about it. One week at a time, one game at a time, same preparation, yada, yada, yada. But the Cats don't just talk about it. They are about it. That's been the thing that's most impressive to me. Yet still, though, you, you got to bring your A game and, and step up to the plate because if you really want to accomplish what you can and think you can accomplish, you can't stub your toe against any of these teams that are not your premier quote unquote opponents. You got to take care of business to make those big games even bigger when they come in and finally land on the schedule. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you look at the last couple of years of the vegan tenure, you know, they, you know, probably the one where, you know, talent wise, they, they were dramatically better, but it was a heck of a game was the game last year at, at Flagstaff. It took all 60 minutes to beat that team. And, and Montana state went, went, went on towards an, to, to another semifinal game, you know, uh, but you're right. They, they, they are such a business-like approach. Um, it, it, it is impressive. I mean, it, re- it really is impressive. And, and just getting to be around the team and, and seeing how, you know, I'm an old coach, so I'm, I'm always interested in how they do it and how they practice and, you know, what they do at the hotel. You know, the, 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 night games are fun for the fans. It is not fun for a coach and player to sit around all day. And, it, you know, I, I was there with the team and just to see how they, they, they prepare and what they do and, you know, what they do on the off days, it's, it, it is very impressive. And, and, and it's such a business-like approach. It doesn't matter who they're playing. And I, and I absolutely would not call Portland State a trap game because, you know, they, they went out. I mean, they, they've, they've got some good, good talent on that team. And, you know, it's hard to look at their schedule in those first three games and really understand who they are. And I don't think, I don't think either of us would say that Cal Poly – Cal Poly's got a long way to go. There's no question about it. And, and Coach Wolf's first year back, or first year back as a head coach, but you, you, you kind of saw a little bit of better idea of who Portland State is it, it, last week. And so, you know, it, it's it, it isn't a trap game. It's another Big Sky team and and a, and a solid team that you know has been coached by Bruce Barham for a long time now. And it's an intriguing matchup on homecoming. And, you know, I, before the show, I told you I'm just it's so nice to have these beautiful fall days I think that's going to change this weekend it's supposed to be cold and rainy and crummy which honestly kind of plays into the cat's hands with the style of team that they've built Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any Town Pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. 
Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit TownPump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Hi, Gregor Rack here on the Big Sky Breakdown. It's presented in part by Blackfoot Communications. See how Blackfoot can help you and your small business. Visit goblackfoot.com. All right, let's talk about the Grizz. Uh, certainly a, a calamity of errors. It was uh, a a shocking and uh, completely disappointing result if you're Montana, losing to an NAU team that was 0-3 who gave up 50 to uh, Utah Tech the week before. And... Uh, I mean, Northern Arizona did it all. They blocked the punt. They ran multiple sort of trick plays. They started a true freshman quarterback that Bobby Houck said that was a surprise to he and his staff. And they rolled up eight sacks and held the Grizz to less than a yard of carry in the run game. When the dust settled, NAU's got a 28-14 win, and Montana's wondering what the heck just happened. Where do we turn next? Uh, I mean, you don't want to pile on too much on this one, Ty, but I mean, this is one of the worst losses in the history of Grizz football and certainly one of, if not the worst losses in a big sky game to a big sky opponent uh, with Bobby Houck as the head coach. Yeah, it was uh, shocking to, to, you know, I didn't get to really dive into the game, but we, we had it on in the press box. You know, you, we usually get there about three hours in advance. So, so it was on and I'm watching it. It's just, yeah, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, I, I just was talking about flag, not being an easy place to go play. I mean, again, a, a very, very good big sky champion Montana state team went down there and had to kick a field goal as time expired. Tommy Mallott made one of the plays of the year to Taco Dowler to, to, to even set up that kick. Uh, but, yeah, man, to watch that, uh, I mean, just when you can't establish any kind of a run game, I think, what, what did they finish with, 18 yards? Is that accurate? Yeah, 18 which, yards, which, I mean, obviously a grain of salt because in college sacks are negative sacks, yardage, sacks, but um, sacks, still, I, I mean, right, right, I think they right, ended right, up rushing for about right. 74 yards on their actual carries, and then they lost – you know, 60-something when you account for the eight sacks. Yeah, you know, and, and, you know, when they play such good special teams in the last few years have played, you know, overall outstanding defense and, and kind of hung their hat on, on in those two areas. And, you know, when you're not getting points out of those two areas and not being able to sustain drives and, you know, get a, get a, get a ground game going, it, it's tough. And, and, yeah, it's – I mean, I know I – know, I know Coach Houck will rally the troops, and they got a big homecoming game against Idaho State. A lot of familiarity with, with that program, obviously, with with Coach Fantasy being on staff and having been there a couple years ago. And you know, it's I, I got to believe they'll they'll right the ship this week at home. But uh, yeah, it was it was it was crazy to sit and watch that up in the press. I mean, it was a small TV, so I, you know, again, I I don't know the ins and outs of the game other than the final score and. You know, it's the same old deal over there. You you don't beat a team by enough. You know, like the la, you know two out of the last three games or whatever, the pitchforks are out and they're calling for your head. You lose that game, which which, which you know, like you said, Montana and Montana State just dominated Utah Tech. The Lumberjacks gave up 50 to them the week prior, and then and then to go beat the Montana Grizz with a freshman quarterback and and. and I had a, it, it, you know, that was a big win for Chris Ball and staff. Nice job by Aaron Flugrad, uh, getting pretty creative. I did see some of those plays that that stung the Grizz defense. It, it was a it, nice job by them. I mean, really, a nice job by them. And obviously, I'm sure there's 
a lot of soul searching going on right now in Missoula. Last thing on the Grizz, and then we'll get into just a couple quick Big Sky things. What do you think is eluding Montana the most? I mean, is this a, just a, an offensive issue? If they could get even a little bit of production on offense, would that change things? Or what, what do you think is holding them back right now? You know, you, I think you know. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll say it. I thought Dalton Sneed was a really great player. I really do. I thought he was a great I agree. quarterback, and, and obviously that's the last – that's the last quarterback that I faced as as a defensive coordinator over here, and I just love the way that guy played the game. I don't believe they've had great quarterback play since. And I mean, we we can talk about the offensive line, we can talk about running, but we can talk about everything. But I, I mean, I think they've got a couple dynamic players on the perimeter, but you got to have a guy at quarterback. And I know that Montana State has, you know, in theory, two. But they're two really good players. I mean, Sean Chambers is a player. And he's the backup quarterback because you know when Tommy comes back, I mean, they'll, they'll have different packages and stuff. But I just I, – it's crazy to think that, that the University of Montana, with all the tradition, the, 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 the you know, an amazing fan base, uh, the facilities, the support, the money, that they just haven't found a guy – at quarterback that, that, that is a, that is a dominant player, you know, slash developed a, a quarterback. I mean, again, I'm, this is just an outsider looking in, but name, name me, name me a, 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 a national champion collegiate team or an NFL team that didn't have a dude at quarterback that, that won a Super Bowl. You know what I mean? Like, I know, I, I mean, we, we can go, Oh, Joe Flacco. Well, Joe Flacco had a generational defense, one of the best ever. You know, but I mean, more often than not, you got to have a player at quarterback, if anything, from a leadership standpoint. And I just don't know if they do right now, man. And 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 you know that that you can you can talk, you can go through the ins and outs of the offense and coaching and all that. But I just feel like if you're if you're going to be a really really great football team, you got to have a dude under center that's a dude. And also, big shout out to my guy Kevin over at Westside Private Gym. Kevin has a doctorate in physical therapy, and he is an excellent trainer and physical therapist. The easiest way to explain what my uh, new endeavor with him is, we're trying to break down all the concrete. And as you get older, you, you got a whole bunch of inflexibilities, immobilities. Your body is formed a certain way from all the ways you've been favoring your various bumps and bruises and injuries. And, you know, you can, you can make it through. But are you actually living your best life? Are you actually as mobile and flexible and malleable as you can be? And, uh, you know, I've had some knee injuries, some shoulder injuries. And so, I, you know, I work out a lot, but, you know, a lot of times maybe you're training in the wrong way or, or your muscles just aren't firing in a proper fashion. So we're breaking down the concrete and building it back up. The first couple of weeks of these workouts have been pretty much just physical therapy-based, tearing down some fascia, you know, loosening up the muscles, really working on the mobility, working on being mindful with the breathing and the muscle engagement, trying to make the muscles proportionally fire. That's such a key thing, and, and Kevin does such a great job of explaining that. So really appreciate him. Can't wait for the journey to continue, and uh, we'll keep you updated on what's going on over there. But uh, fit during football back for another year, and uh, couldn't do it without the Hype House, or especially Kevin over there at Westside Private Gym. Ty Gregor here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Uh, last couple things for you then. The other uh, primetime game was in Moscow, Idaho, and it totally lived up to the billing. Idaho wins 36-27 over Sac State. 
It was closer than that. Idaho kicked a field goal with a couple seconds left to go up 30-27, and then uh, Sack fumbled the, the kick, uh, the kickoff, and, and then Idaho scored a touchdown with no time remaining. So a little bit of a skewed score there. It was it was a game that came all the way down the wire, and, and Idaho didn't necessarily win by nine, even though they did win by nine. It was more like they won on the last second field goal by Ricardo Chavez. So um, what what do you think of that result? And, and I mean, pretty good opening to the conference season if you're, you're Idaho. And I also don't think you have to sound any alarms if you're sack. Uh, I think you just got to get back on the horse and, and keep on chasing it because you've won so many Big Sky games over the last several years. But uh, I don't know. I guess it's it's sort of new territory to have a, a primetime premier Big Sky game featuring schools that aren't the Montana schools or Eastern Washington. I think it's kind of cool for the league that we have uh, you know, a game that – I mean, we sent a crew to Skyline, or from Skyline to cover the thing. So I think, it, uh, I think it's good for the conference to have those two teams kind of rolling along. It is, and I, I don't – it was a great game. I did not get to watch that one, uh, you know, because of ours that we were doing. But, you know, no, you don't sound the alarm if you're Sacramento State. Sacramento State's a dang good football team who lost – to a dang good football team at home. You know, uh, Idaho is the real deal. They've proven that. They, I mean, they, I, know, I know they dropped one against Cal, but they're really good. Sac State is good. Uh, and I do believe that it's great for the league. I, I think Idaho coming back from the big sky was a great thing for Idaho, a great thing for the big sky. I think a good Idaho is really good for the big sky. And the fact that, you know, we're talking about Sac State now, we've been talking about Sac State in the mix now for four years. That, that's impressive. It's really impressive. Coach, Coach Thompson, Andy's done a great job. Coach X done a great job. And, it, you know, it'll be intriguing to see what happens. You know, don't look now. Eastern's getting good again. That quarterback is making a lot of plays for Eastern. That's a, that's a heck of a matchup uh, for two schools that don't have to travel too far from each other. I know Idaho visits Eastern Washington. That's a, that's a big game all of a sudden again, you know, and in, in terms of the conference, um, you know, NAU who gets a gigantic win has to go to Sac State. Who's going to be wanting to want to make things right after last week. So, yeah, I, you know, the conference is going to, I mean, we, we, we've said this the last few weeks, man, it's going to be an extremely competitive conference, you know, and, and I think coach vegan, said it uh, maybe last week um, you know th- this league has kind of proven in the last few years you can't lose any conference games and be conference champ this could be one of those years where you know it, it, you never know but you know one a one loss maybe two loss do very much in the conference championship talk just just with with, with the way these teams are going to have to play each other and when we still got a ton of football left that was week one but I just think there's some really good football teams, including the two. I mean, Sac State got a loss. That's a dang good football team that lost on the road. You know, a, a, team, a team from California that's got to go play in the Dome. And that was a great game. That was not a nine-point game. It was a, it, it, basically a fight to the finish there at the end. And two well-coached teams that are, that are doing a great job, really. I mean, it, it, it's impressive. The, 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 the middle of the pack up is very, very, very tough this year in the big sky. He's Tiger Agarak. You can find him on the MTN Network scripts across the Big Sky Conference. And you can also find him once a week here on the Big Sky Breakdown. Coach Ty, appreciate the time, man. Thanks so much. Uh, have a great week and uh, have some fun on Saturday. Homecoming with the Vikings in town uh, there in Bozeman. Thanks for being here. 
thank you, Coulter, for having me as always. I appreciate it and uh, can't wait to visit with you next week, man. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com slash apply. There's a lot of things that make Montana great, from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the West. But what really makes this place special is you. Our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things. At Opportunity Bank, our passion is helping folks do just that. Together, we can make a good thing even better. Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Big Sky Breakdowns, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coulter Nuanez joined by Brooks Nuanez talking all things Big Sky, heavy angle on both Montana and Montana State. You already heard from Andrew Houghton all the way around the Big Sky Conference. You already heard from Ty Gregorak talking uh, Montana State and Montana. A couple thoughts on Idaho and Sac State. So we'll start with the Grizz here on this Big Sky Breakdown. Brooks, I mean, I'll just leave the floor open to you to start this thing because I, I have said a lot about this already on either Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio or uh, in previous Big Sky Breakdown episodes this week. Uh, your thoughts on Montana's 28-14 loss at Northern Arizona? Man, it's one place to start. <laughs> I wish I was less surprised. You know, Colter, I sent you a schedule earlier this year that said uh, they'd lose this game as well as a bunch of them. I, you know, at some point, I've talked a lot about what this team needed to do to improve. I still think that they have good skill position players, and I'm going to just, like, end there, right? Like, I don't know what else positive to say. I mean, the offensive line, which internally and externally has been touted as among the best they've had in in years, maybe even, like, decades, obviously that's not true. Obviously something that you and I both knew. Of course, all this can turn around, but there's, you know, we're talking about the matter of the fact, the the facts that are today, right, What, what we're looking at here. Uh, very disappointed in the in the uh, overall decision, not personally, just professionally as well as just as a as a consistent viewer to not name a starting quarterback, um, and then to go out and play you know have quarterback production like this. Uh, to me, Colt, I, I haven't seen a lot of confidence at, at the quarterback position. I don't know if you have. But usually, you instill some confidence by naming a starter. Definitely helps. You know, it's definitely a thing that happens in all levels of football. Um, my son is a, is seven years old. He plays football. He actually played practices three days a week, and they even have a game every week. And guess what? There's a starting quarterback on that team. Imagine that. Um, and that starting quarterback is the one that should, and he's the best thrower, and uh, they win games because he plays well and, and has some confidence. Uh, so I, I think there's obviously a lot to, to work on there. Um, offensively, no identity. You know, I, I, there's None. They rarely, haven't had any. Uh, very rarely do you not, like, have a what do you do? Like, what do you like to do? Like, well, in basketball, I like to come off my left shoulder and shoot 16-foot jumpers. I can even fade away a little bit, put my leg out. I can do all sorts of stuff there. That's kind of what I like to do. What do you like to do, Colter? It's pretty simple in sports to identify what you do. Um, honestly, it's very, very challenging to not have any identity, to, like, to choose and go forward with no identity, to say that we don't actually do anything, that we actually do the same stuff that everybody does, uh, which – can't be further from the truth. I've seen teams run multiple. Re- I mean, NAU ran a, 
a reverse pass that the receiver threw to a tight end for a touchdown. Maybe the Grizz should try that if they want to run everything everyone else does. Um, I've seen uh, Ferris State run literally three different reverse reverse runs on the same play, receiver to receiver to even back to the quarterback who was a running quarterback. Uh, we saw Ferris State run not only two quarterbacks, but three quarterbacks successfully who have different skill sets that stay in the game and they had a plan uh, because, you know, if you spend your entire life doing this, all you do, 40, 50, 90, 100 hours a week is plan for this stuff, usually have a plan. It's like kind of part of planning is to come up with a plan. Um, the fact that that's the case, that there is no plan, is not the most concerning part. The fact that there's really not that much effort happening at Montana, uh, that's the first time I can say that in my lifetime. For it's sure. It's actually kind of shocking. Um, I've never, you know, being around uh, a program uh, both personally and internally where the program was in a straight nosedive, there was still a very high level of effort. There were still guys that were not only like making a name for themselves, but making a name in the national scene uh, with a team that was struggling with identity, teams that were struggling with personnel, teams that were struggling with uh, not only confidence, but, uh, you know, every single adjective that I could say. There were struggles with it, but there was never effort struggles. Um, and that is obviously the most concerning part. How do, how do they flip this around, Colter? Well, they, get, they have a get-right game this weekend, but as it stands now, I mean, NAU was, uh, is going to be one of the worst teams that they play, um, especially uh, their success that they've had with Bobby Houck at the walk-up Sky Dome in Flagstaff. I, I believe he was 8-0 before going they go, go on that this trip. So those are games that you really hope, and you mark down as wins, and you mark down – you know, I told you, Colter, that their best case scenario, that if they play up to the, what I think their abilities are and they run into the buzzsaws like Idaho and Montana State and Sac State, uh, that their best case scenario was 7-4. and four. And that just, that just went out the window. Now you, start, now you have to win the games that you're not supposed to win. And with this team and the level of confidence, I, I don't know how that happens. It is so bizarre to watch. I would say this, though. They, they, I rewatched the game for the second time last night. They are getting good effort to really good effort at the second and third levels of their of their defense. I think their linebackers are playing really hard and really well, and that's not that's not a surprise given just the fact that they have you know some Montana made guys that have a ton of pride in the program. I mean, I think Braxton Hill's play, playing well right now. I thought he played well on Saturday. I think that Levi Janicaro is playing well. Um, I think that Nash, Fouch, Ryder, Meyer are playing good. Uh, You know, they're playing fine to above average in the secondary. I think the corners are playing okay, pretty good. Um, I think their their fundamental issue defensively is they have no defensive line depth whatsoever, and that to me falls completely on the coaches. They have to find they they need more guys. I mean, I said this all offseason. I thought the one of the most underrated players on the Grizz is Eli Alford because Eli Alford can give you twenty to thirty snaps a game on the interior of your defensive line, and that makes Alex Gubner your best defensive player better because he doesn't have to play uh, such an uh, an overwhelming load. They don't have any depth on the defensive uh, edges with Henry Noose out and Cale Edwards playing on a bum ankle and they're just they're they're so thin up front and I just don't know how you can get to that point it's like we've talked about they've sort of disproportionately recruited like they have a whole bunch of pretty good linebackers they have a whole bunch of pretty good safeties why don't you have more of the other stuff it seems completely counterintuitive especially for a coach like Bobby Houck that wants to play a physical smash mouth style of football just doesn't seem like it it meshes there all your comments, though, about the effort and the desire on the offensive side are so true, and it is, it is you know, 
I mean, that play that has sort of gone viral on Twitter of the offensive line just basically giving up on the pass pro and letting Sam Vidlak get sacked, and multiple of the guys are walking to the sideline before the play's even over. Like, as Andrew Houghton said on this podcast earlier this episode, that's code red stuff, man. That That's that's out, it's, 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 it's crazy, man. Like, that, that's like unacceptable stuff for any level of football, let alone what's going on now. And so there, that's the part where, like, I do think that their defense is going to play with their hair on fire for the rest of the season or at least, uh, you know, these next couple games because of this uh, result in, in Flagstaff. And I do think that when they're at home, they can get to a different level defensively, and that masks a lot of what are their talent deficiencies. But offensively, they just have so far to go. So I guess my uh, several questions for you on this. So my first question is this. Obviously, quarterback production and quarterback skill level are the most obvious things that Montana needs an upgrade in. But also, it seems like the fact that they don't have the production or skill level that they need at that position, it also gives them a vacuum of leadership. And I think that's where this thing is falling apart operationally, offensively. How much do you think that as a factor well i definitely think it's a factor at all you know you always have to have leaders and that's why you you would hope that it, the offensive linemen that then are not only the leaders when you have a bunch of talent everywhere but they're the leaders when you don't especially and that's what you said colt there about the, the the video that went viral of them not blocking up front on offense that's one thing if it's backups you got a problem but it's starters and it's it's leaders it's captains seniors you know? captains yeah, those, those are definitely issues, um, and those are definitely tone-setting things. Really quick, to talk before we get past the, the how well they're playing on defense, I, I don't want to sit here and pile on because, you know, there's plenty of bad stuff happening here uh, that, that, that are, you know, some stuff that we don't have full control of or have insight to, but I want to make a comment on you said that they're playing really well on defense. I mean, they give up 396 yards to Northern Arizona to a true freshman in his first start. They have 400 yards. The week before, they gave up 300, 289 yards to Ferris State in a game where they got outgained by over 100 yards. So playing well on defense, like a bend don't break, maybe don't you know, give up a ton of points or whatever, but I definitely think that there's some to be desired there. And then you talk about, oh, well, they don't have defensive line depth. Oh, okay, sounds like a, a personal problem. They don't want Alex Gubber to play every play. Okay, great idea there. Yeah, you want him to play half the plays so you can play someone else at your weakest position as far as depth goes, and start getting gashed there. I mean, NAU Coulter had 11 receivers catch the ball. 11 different players received a pass. Like, I, I mean, I get the secondary there can be playing well, but, uh, you know, an 0-3 team uh, with, you know, 14 guys that touch the ball on offense for Northern Arizona, uh, it's kind of like, a, you know, getting, getting ran around. I mean, you're kind of on a, on a freaking carousel there going up and down on your little pony, hopefully slapping, slapping pony ass with your belt and have a little fun or something because – I mean, that ain't, uh, that ain't the answer of playing good defense, in my opinion. I agree. I guess I should restate. I think that they have a bunch of guys on their defensive unit that do have desire and that want it and that are playing hard. I think a couple of those guys are playing well as well. I think that's the issue with this team, though, Brooks. And again, you know, this is probably a comment that should probably be saved until the end of the year rather than right now because, you know, Montana could just catch a hot streak and win a whole bunch of games, but I don't see it. But the point is, though, that this team, I think they have a, a continuity problem. I think they have an identity problem offensively. 
but I think they just have a talent problem across the roster. Like, I was really thinking about it. The Grizz used to always have 10 to 20 guys that would play anywhere in the conference. Now you look at their roster, and there's only a couple guys that would play anywhere in the conference. And if you look at the top of the conference, there's only a couple guys on the Grizz team that would play. on. My, I mean, t- take Montana State, for example, because that's the thing that's making this, this analysis of all this so sharp is not only... Are the Grizz struggling and not improving and searching for identity? But their rival has all of that and more. The Cats have talent in spades. I mean, I was texting Mike Ryder about this last night. As you and I always talk about, Brooks, I think that you need 10 to 12 guys on your roster that have first-team all-conference potential. The Cats have 10 to 12 guys on their roster on offense that have first-team all-conference potential. I mean, they have an entire offensive line that has that potential. They got four running backs that have that potential. They got two quarterbacks that have that potential. They got the two best tight ends in the league. That's not even to speak of their defense, where I think they probably have six or seven guys that have first-team all-conference potential. And then you flip it over to the Grizz side of things, and I know it's, you know, Cat Grizz is a long ways away, but who on the Grizz is going to, who on the Grizz would, would start for the Cats right now? Governor, and that's it. Anybody else? No, no. I was really going through it. I mean, I think I think maybe the Montana corners of Walker and Gradney, those guys would probably be able to fight their way into the rotation of three or four corners at Montana State, and uh, Junior Bergen Nashville, at MSU Nashville. might might be in the receiver rotation. Other than that, I don't really know. Yeah, I mean, I have to. That's a bigger question. Of course, there's some guys. You know, the Grizz have. When you talk about like maybe their top ten best players, Culper, they got some dudes for sure, but. Like you said, they have t- they have ten dudes that have first team all league talent. Eh, whatever potential, maybe. But like what we're seeing is is is, is falling off the cliff. You, you just said something. I want to make sure I make my public my, my PSA for the you know my, my weekly PSA on the pod that says we're talking about winning national championships. We're not talking about the Grizz maybe getting better on defense and playing with effort. That's not what we're talking about, right? We're talking about winning a natty. That's kind of it. That's the only expectation that we hold, that we really like see this lens of a national um, FCS landscape. And it's not because of the pride and tradition of the Montana Grizzlies. It, it's that times a million. It's, it's the resources. It's, it's the fan base. It is on and on and on and on. I just want to remind people, I'm not talking about if the Grizz can turn this thing around and go seven and five. Like, get out of here. I'm talking about, it, can they win a natty? Like, they're flushing that down the toilet. So, whether or not the cats have more talent than them, that's a that's a fact. That's not like a that's not an opinion. It's a fact. But whether or not they have more talent than half the teams in the league, it's starting to become a, a stark reality. Yeah, it's amazing to really consider how that got to this point, because yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know how, how it got to this point, uh, other than just. Uh, I mean, I think that they've had a fundamental flaw in recruiting. I think that they have proclaimed and and almost shoved it down people's throats that they do it their own way. And I think now you're seeing that maybe that own way doesn't work. I mean, they don't want to get into recruiting battles. The only team they really get into recruiting battles with is the Cats. Sometimes Idaho. But other than that, I mean, they're, they're recruiting guys that aren't getting recruited by anybody else. I, I don't know. I think that, that that's a flawed method. I mean, sometimes they try to spin it like, well, we got in on this guy early and he committed to us and he shut down his recruiting and that's why this is our type of guy. But right now, in this day and age, at the University of Montana, with what Montana has to offer from a facility standpoint, a fan base standpoint, and the town that they reside in, plus the fact that, let's be real, we're both University of Montana alums, and we both got great educations at UM, but this is not like Harvard. I mean, this is a school where you can get a lot of guys into school, so they they don't have... 
academic restraints. They have landing pad majors where they can get guys in and keep them eligible and all that sort of stuff. So to not be going after all these big-time recruit types. And then when you do get – I mean, they have actually gotten a fair share of three-star guys over the last couple years. What are those guys doing? They're not playing. And I think that in itself, I mean, I think part of that's because the scheme's too complicated, and I think part of that's just because of the way that they operate. They just they need they need to have this certain level of engagement and trust with guys, but that just doesn't that that's a in premise, that's a great thing to have. In execution, especially if you're doing it like it's nineteen ninety seven and not two thousand and twenty three, I think it's a very flawed method. Yeah, man, they used to get transfers upon transfers of like real dudes. They used to get guys that were wanting to play football there. They used to get guys that were hungry and dogs and they competed at a different level. And nowadays, man, things have just changed. Like, do I think that you should run a program where you take three-star guys and give them a seat? No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that you don't make guys earn it, but they literally doghouse guys for no reason to prove a point and then put their guys in place who are just, you know, maybe not as talented. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this roster that I think play that start, that play like, the majority of snaps that I think there's probably someone t- more talented behind them, or if, if there isn't, that's the that's an issue. Like it shouldn't be that this guy is the end all be all uh, at this point of a program's development, especially because the program has been developed. They've already been here. It's like, you know, this isn't new. This is like old hat for these guys, and the fact that it's gotten that this stale. And then again, we could talk about uh, you know the demeanor of the coaching staff. You know, until we're blue in the face, bury me up, put me in the dirt. I mean dead right like it's 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 gotten to a point of being almost pathetic like the way that they're acting and the way that the, there's nothing to see here that's our favorite thing called right nothing to see here like oh, it's all good uh, you know same as it always has been uh it's just not you know there's a major issue and like when there's a fundamental like defined issue within an organization it takes great leadership or any leadership at all to identify it address it and improve on it uh, if you don't identify it, then what does that mean for your team and your players when they have issues in their lives within their own position group, within a certain point of a football game? Like, it all becomes uh, an environment where people stop blocking in the fourth quarter when you're down two touchdowns because no one wants to point a finger at themselves. No one wants to say that it's us as a whole, but rather me as a man. Uh, I'm not calling people out here. This is Again, these are facts. I mean, if you don't see this, then, you know, go watch a presser and then go watch the film back and just, you know, check out what kind of attitudes we have going around uh, we talk about leadership and, and and pushing a program forward. Well, we were cer- certainly to be continued with the Grizz. They host Idaho State for homecoming this week. Uh, just a, a couple other thoughts about the the Big Sky Brooks. First of all, I mean, the Cats, I, I thought going down to Ogden would certainly uh, be the favorite in that game, and I totally expected them to win only because we've reached the point now, the Brent Vegan era, where if it's a Big Sky game in the regular season, the Cats are going to win. I mean, that, that's a tried and true over the last two and a half years. Their lone in-season, regular season Big Sky loss came in, in Brent Vegan and his staff's first trip to Missoula in the 2021 rivalry game. Other than that, the Cats have just found a way. But it seems like the the new narrative of this season is not just finding a way on the road. Last year they found a way on the road when they beat Eastern Washington by three and Northern Arizona by three. Uh, Sean Chambers, Ben Seymour, they all talked about trading Pickering. They all talked about it going into and coming out of the game. They said, hey, we want to make a statement to the rest of the Big Sky. We want to let everybody know there is no more road struggles. And that's exactly what they did. 40 to nothing. It could have been 48 to nothing if they wouldn't have missed a bunch of kicks. So uh, pretty impressive. I think that the Cats probably, I think it's safe to say they made the statement that they intended to make uh, in Ogden on Saturday. Like you said, Goldberg, we haven't lost a conference game outside of uh, outside of a Cat Grizz, which is kind of unheard of in, in many ways, but. I mean, they're rolling. We could talk about them until we're blue in the face. 
ton of talent. I thought they left some some stuff out there too. They played well on defense, giving up zero points, right? But like I still thought they could have played better. Offense, I thought they could have scored sixty. I mean, you could go up and down that whole entire game, and I didn't think that Weber even had a, a chance. You know, I mean, it wasn't even wasn't even particularly close. Um, Montana State, again, the level of identity that they play with and the level of want to. I mean, they all know that they they have, they have depth. That a lot of guys play. They stay fresh. They run the football. You know, all the things that that good teams do. And then, you know, you have quarterback turmoil, but you have enough culture and enough leadership to be able to coach guys up, identify who, who, who the guy is, and give him the reins and the confidence and the tools to do that. So Sean Chambers is by no means uh, some kind of slouch, right? I mean, he's arguably one of the better quarterbacks in the country when he's playing at a high level, especially with his running acumen. I mean, his abilities to just set the tone, not only with his body, but he's also, you know, a solid, well-rounded quarterback. So, the sky's the limit continues to be for the Cats. I, I don't see them uh, losing anytime soon, uh, even with the injury bug or, you know, things that are sure to happen. Um, we'll see if anything trips them up in, in the next couple weeks or so. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. College Athletics is a fundamental part of the fabric of our communities in Montana, and it's the stories of these young men and women that drive our passion at Skyline Sports. Coulter Nuwana's here. In 2015, my brother Brooks and I founded SkylineSportsMT.com. As a lifelong athlete, Brooks has an elite knowledge of football with a deep perspective with his time spent playing safety for the Montana Grizz football team, while I won a collection of sports writing awards, including 2010 Washington Sports Writer of the Year during my time in newspapers. Together, we can offer you the best sports journalism in the state with crisp writing, unbiased reporting, cutting-edge photography, and a grassroots feel that belies the corporate takeover of modern media this day and age. As Montana natives, we have a deep historical knowledge of the fiercest rivalry in the West. We share a combined 22 years experience involved in the Big Sky Conference. That experience gives us unparalleled knowledge of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics. If you'd like to experience this with us, visit SkylineSportsMT.com and subscribe for only $8 a month or $90 a year. SkylineSportsMT.com. Every day, every season. Please share breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com, presented in part by Town Pump. Town Pump keeping us fueled up all season long. We were on the road last week to Ogden and Moscow, so appreciate Town Pump. Town Pump brawl the wild by the mile, back for yet another year. Um, last thing for you, Brooks, I mean, I think that the one team that we were sort of sleeping on that's been way better than advertised in the big skies, Eastern Washington. You took Fresno State to double overtime before losing by a field goal. They beat a ranked SELA team that was uh, you know, they won a playoff game a week ago or a year ago, and uh, they went on the road and won at UC Davis last week to open up Big Sky Play one and zero. And now we got a, a game that actually is a lot bigger than I think people anticipated. With you know, 19th ranked Eastern going to fourth ranked Idaho, people expected the Vandals to be good. Vandals beat the tar out of Eastern last year, 41-16. That was retribution after Eastern dropped 71 on Idaho two years ago. Uh, I, I know you probably haven't really dove that deep into these two teams, but just from a broad premise, I just think it's 
good for the league uh, if both these teams can be good. And I also think it's a harbinger of of uh, just where the Grizz are at. If the Grizz are on the outside looking in and there's even more teams like Eastern and Idaho ahead of them, uh, it's a bad thing for Montana. But just your thoughts on Eastern maybe being a little bit better than we expected and uh, the game in, in uh, uh, between Eastern and Idaho in, in Cheney this weekend. I think Eastern, we always talk about it, just you and I, Coulter, that you know, Eastern, whether we agree with like the, the style of culture that it is, they do have culture. They do go after certain kind of guys. and They, they do get playmakers. Um, they get guys that play with a, with a little bit of a, not even like a toughness edge, it's more of a swag. You know, they, they, they have this thing, and they've been able to carry it over through multiple coaching staff, multiple styles. I mean, you have, you have Bo Baldwin throwing the ball around the yard as much as anyone ever. They have all these downfield receivers, big-time quarterbacks winning multiple Walter Payton Awards, pro guys going in, you know, in the NFL on, on defense as well. And then you bring in Aaron Best, a longtime offensive line coach, wants to run the football, wants to be tough, wants to play with a mentality and an edge, and they still can play with a swagger. They can still do this thing. It's from the recruiting base. It's from the area that, the, that most of these guys are coming from. It's, it's eastern Washington, western Washington, the Seattle area. Uh, you know, you got guys from – mostly in the Pacific Northwest, but there is this style of football that they're playing that I think continues to carry on. It, it, it continues to be a, a six or seven win style, no matter what kind of talent you have. And if you get a little bit of talent, you get a little bit of momentum, uh, you start to see Eastern playing really well like they are right now. Um, but that also, that you talk about their neighbors, right? I mean, just down the road in, in, in Moscow, Idaho, we talk about a team, Colton, that is real good. I mean, they are good. I think that they could beat anyone in the country. Uh, I think they have a chance to contend for a national championship if they quote unquote stay healthy. You know, I don't know every name of every you know key position there of each one of those groups, but if most of that team stays healthy, quarterback Javon McCoy continues to develop. I mean, man, they play with some serious edge and some serious fun. Like that, the level of swag that Jason Eck has brought to Idaho is going to completely translate on the recruiting trail. And those two schools, as you mentioned, Colter, are Montana's number one direct competitors to compete in the recruiting game. When you're out on the recruiting trail, Western Washington, or sorry, Eastern Washington, Idaho, across the board, and even coming into Montana, uh, you'll see some serious competitions there. And, and those two schools are, are recruiting in a, in a new way, in a new age, uh, that is definitely going to be competitive. Also, Colter, I just want to mention I watched Sac State against Idaho this weekend. I watched UC Davis. Last week as well, uh, there's some good teams in the Big Sky. I think that uh, when we talk about the Big Sky having ups and downs, I think right now the top four or five teams in the Big Sky are, are darn near as good as they've been in a decade. So there is some depth. I do think there's some talented teams up top, and I think there'll be some playoff runs to show from it. Brooks Wano's Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Thanks for being here, man. Appreciate it. Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Blackfoot Communications just launched new business services delivering big value to smaller firms. With reliable voice, fast internet, business-grade Wi-Fi, and around-the-clock support, Blackfoot ensures you remain connected to your customers, employees, and communities throughout the day, every day. For more information, go to blackfootsmallbusiness.com. Connect to more with Blackfoot Communications. Blackfoot Communications. 